Welcome to Adversarial Learning. How well everybody's heard about the bird. Bird, bird, bird. Bird's a winner when the bird, bird, bird. Bird is a winner when the bird, bird, bird. When the bird is a winner when the bird, bird, bird. The bird's a winner when the bird, bird, bird. When the bird is a winner when the bird, bird. The bird's a winner when the bird, bird, bird. The bird's a winner when the bird, bird, bird. When the bird is a winner when the bird, bird. The bird's a winner when the don't you know about the bird? Well, everybody knows that the bird is a winner when the bird. Hello, everybody. This is Andrew, uh, as always, here with Joel. Hello. And our guest today, Pardis, who is a longtime friend and former data science manager at Twitter. Uh, Pardis, happy to have you on. Would you let our listeners know a little bit about yourself? Hi, Andrew and Joel. Thanks so much for having me here. So uh, most recently, uh, I was data science manager at Twitter. Um, I led the Connect data science team uh, we worked on trends, search, explore, events, interests, um, had a really great team. Now, I'm next week, I will be joining Carbon Health uh, to build the data science team there. Oh, congrats. Um, yeah. What's uh, the name so of the company? Carbon Health. Carbon, Carbon Health. 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 Yes. Like what Han Solo went through in that movie? <laughs> So it's a uh, network of medical clinics for primary and urgent care. Okay. Uh, they currently have clinics in SF, Mountain View, Oakland, Berkeley, Cupertino, I think one more city. All the um, places that are on fire right now. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I heard um, that there might be some of that smoke coming in tomorrow. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, unfortunately. Are you downtown or where where are you where do you live? Uh, I'm in Soma. South of Market? Yes, very close okay. to Twitter. Um, okay. I, we we had lunch there one time, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was good lunch. Yeah, yeah, great day. Yeah. The lunches at Twitter are really great. A few years ago I was down in San Francisco. Oh god, I can't remember if it was for a conference or what, but I was just I was walking around and I was walking and I was like, wow, this street is like so filthy and kinda gross and sketchy and hey there's the twitter office <laughs> so when i moved here uh one of my mom's friends they called her and said you can't live uh, you can't let pardis live in that neighborhood and so my mom just called me and was very worried and i said mom i work here uh <laughs> i'm gonna have to you know travel uh to this part of town and honestly it's like um once you get to know the story and history and everything, it's really beautiful. Um, yeah, and I hope that we can find a better solution. What's the story? Maybe, I, maybe I've never heard that. <laughs> I'm oh, serious. Yeah. What's the story? I, uh, I shouldn't be the person telling the tenderloin story, but uh, yeah, it, uh, there are some really nice tours as well um, okay. that kind of take you through. Uh, some of these neighborhoods. Just give us like the the three cents version. No, no, no. (laughs) Won't be able to do it justice. (laughs) I took a tour of the cable car terminus with my, uh, with my kid one time. It took about almost, it took about 50 minutes to get the next cable car. And she was about out of her happy mind by the time it came. (laughs) I've seen those lines that they're not good. 
I should have just hopped on at some point during the trip. I don't know why we went to the terminus. I just thought, you know, I thought, but there was something special about it, but, uh, and then she got mad during the trip and boy, it was a, it was a real meltdown. So the, um, well, that's cool. So you're going to be building up a team from scratch. Is that right? Um, so they already have, um, a team that they built. Uh, I think it's one person, uh, one very awesome person today, um, and so, yeah, uh, they've already done a lot of great work. Uh, so building on that. Cool. And you start yeah. next week? Next week. Yes. And you is just it just came like, out of, okay. I was going to ask, is it just like, like a, a medical like network, like the same way? Uh, well, I don't know. I, the ones I would say would be Seattle ones. So you, would, you wouldn't know them, but it's basically like polyclinic or Swedish or something like that. Yeah, so there, there's a similar one uh, here uh, as well. It's called One Medical. And what uh, Carbon Health uh, does is they, you know, as I start, I can learn more about uh, some, you know, about some of their differentiating uh, factors. But one thing that they are very focused on is uh, these patient-specific and doctor-specific apps. On the patient side, um, they try to gather um, as much information as possible to kind of come up with a potential diagnosis of what could potentially be wrong in order to estimate the um, amount of time this patient would need with the doctor. Mm-hmm. And so very similar to what Twitter does then, right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and also... Uh, <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. Because Twitter's got to be analyzing everything I tweet and thinking, gosh, this guy needs to talk to somebody. No, 30 days to live. <laughs> <laughs> this guy um, needs like a week in the padded room. No. This is an, uh, j- not only to kind of estimate the uh, amount of time this person uh, might need with the doctor, but to also determine the urgency of the situation. So if it's something more urgent, they'll try to uh, book an earlier appointment. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of this um, is uh, two things, to reduce um, urgent care costs and to reduce uh, wait times. That's cool. Are they going to show you like like latest maladies first or is it going to be an algorithmic timeline? Um. I, so, so I, I'm. I've actually been kind of reading a little bit about this. So, I think there's multiple approaches to decision making here. Um, some are like reducing costs for patients. Others are like reducing regrets. Right. Oh. Like so. So sometimes you want to reduce regrets. Sign um, me up. Uh, yes, because <laughs> there, it's a like. Uh, life or death issue and other times you would want to reduce costs because it's not as important Mm. Uh, and so things like that where does the carbon in the name come from because people are made of carbon or something else exactly so actually (laughs) uh i I was talking to the ceo and i asked him this exact question uh about the name and he's he did say there there is some like uh you know conversations about this like a lot of people ask him about that and you're absolutely right it's um kind of um the uh element of nature i guess mm-hmm. uh, hopefully but, but that is d- dogs are also made from carbon so like a veterinarian could call themselves carbon health and it would be just as meaningful right 
Uh, true. And maybe they would extend their network uh, to pets as well. <laughs> so how can we have a... Uh... How come you have DJ in your name? Are you, are you a DJ? Uh, so uh, initially it was uh, the DJ stand it stood for Data Junkie. Um, oh, I didn't know that. When I joined Twitter, um, they had this uh, DJ Mondays kind of thing for employees. Uh, I uh, started doing that and then I did more events, DJed more events at Twitter uh, DJ tea time and things like that and kind of became a resident DJ for a while. So, yeah. Is that what DJ Patil's name stands for too? Uh, no, that's his name. Okay. Now see, that's just too confusing. Did, did, did he also become a DJ just because he already had those initials? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, but I haven't ever actually met him. So one day and then we I almost met him. him. We almost he's, met him. He's also trying to save healthcare, right? Yes. yes. Uh, along with Chris Alvin. Right. But, but, but Chris is not a DJ, so. <laughs> but didn't didn't somebody say that they that the uh, they they never really learned your name at Twitter and they just called you DJ all the time? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so there was another guy called DJ, and when people called him, I thought they were talking to me. Okay. That was interesting. <laughs> Did you just? It looks like you just came out of out of uh, lockdown on Twitter. Are you back in the back in the real world now? Oh yeah, I I made my account private for a while. Okay, welcome back. Thank you. How did that, how did that affect your engagement? I mean, it cuts down on retweets, obviously. Um, I you know it was fine. I think I have enough followers to kind of sustain uh, the likes. <laughs> Do you, yeah, do, you okay. count, do you count on those likes? Totally. Yeah? Yeah, maybe, watching them. Watching. Maybe you should be LJ. Like um. Junkie? <laughs> Live Journal? Live Journal, Like Junkie? Oh, I have. My problem is I have so many likes that if I tried to keep track of them all, I mean, I don't think I could get anything done. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> 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 Not same. I don't, I don't get. I don't my, get my tweets are so popular that if I paid attention to how popular they were, why it would dig up every waking hour of the day. Yeah, I know. Me too. Well, is, it, is your office, your new office, going to be in the same area, or where's where's the headquarters? Uh, it's going to be near the Embarcadero. So if I stay here, I'll probably take the Bart. Okay. Yeah. Well, how far is that? Is that the other end of the cable car? Uh, That's Fisherman's Terminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's close by. Okay, uh, all right. Not, yeah. So you'd have to go up a big hill and then down to get over there. No hills. No hills. Yeah. So it's actually so. Um, remove the part. It's not close to Fisherman's Wharf. It's just the straight um, like because um, you know Twitter is Market and Tenth, right? Uh, and this would be Market. And first, oh, yeah, still on the same street. Interesting. Okay. Well, kind of like on one of the. I don't know that I'll ever have San Francisco's geography in my head. Yeah, I I definitely won't. Like, like to me, it's it's, a very interesting. Yeah, it's. How long have you lived there? It's been three years, three months. Oh no, three years, five months. Okay. Yeah. 
What kind of perks do you get when you work at a medical company like that? Like free drugs? or? Um, <laughs> I have yet to see. Uh, yeah. Free doctor consultations? I hope so. Free flu shots. Do you actually be working with the doctors? Um, I, I think so in, in our current office, uh, there will be doctors and, um, they do want us to work closely with the doctors. So, um, especially on the, um, doctor side app, I'm guessing there would be, um, some work. Do you, do you ever get nervous around doctors like I do? Uh, not really. Yeah. I know some people, there's actually a name for it. Doctor phobia. <laughs> Or like white coat phobia or something. What? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. There's there's something called white coat syndrome where your blood pressure is higher oh, if yeah, a doctor's yeah, reading yeah. it than if you're like reading it yourself. No exactly. kidding. It oh. is it is fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, luckily, I didn't have that problem. Uh, so yeah, that's good. <laughs> you know, I'd be walking around with like elevated blood pressure all day long and not be a healthy work environment for me. <laughs> So, so when you when you DJ, what kind of music do you play? Um, so I play kind of pop and hip hop. Yeah, I try to. So um, a lot of Twitter events had a theme, and so I try to adhere to that theme as well. So today today's theme is hate speech, and next week's <laughs> theme will be harassment and. Um, so the themes were, oh, come on. The themes would be more like, um, let's say. White nationalism? Sorry. I'll I'll let you talk now. You can say what the themes are. So let's say, uh, it was, uh, International Women's Day or, um, Black History Month or things along these lines. Um. Right. So then you would want songs about women or. Yeah. Songs um, about black history. Yeah. So it when, when there were themes, I kind of uh, didn't necessarily stay within um, a particular genre, but like uh, tried to find songs that were related to that topic of discussion and kind of. Did you ever stretch the limits just because you wanted to play, let's play something like uh, what, what does Duran Duran have to do with black history month? Like, Oh, well, let me tell you a story. Uh, That's probably what I would have done. <laughs> I I try to kind of be uh, be a good DJ to keep my job. <laughs> I mean, as a DJ. Do you ever do you ever DJ like outside of Twitter? Like um, at clubs. Yeah, yeah. So most recently, I did. Um, so I met these two um, rappers, um, and such love. They're, they have full-time jobs and they kind of make it work. Um, so one time we met and then started following each other on Instagram. And then they realized that I DJ. And when they had their first show um, at the Brick and Mortar in SF, they asked if I could kind of be their DJ. Um, and I did it. So like during their show or as an open? Yeah. So, so the, the DJ uh, that comes with the MCs, right. Um, Mm -hmm. Is just, you know, you play uh, their songs. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Exactly. And um, 
sometimes uh, they will give you some time to play your your own set, maybe before or after, uh, depending on the schedule and things like that. Do you call in a creative uh, vinyl records or how do you what kind of medium do you work off of? Yeah, so it's uh, all on um, Serato DJ on my laptop, and then I have a, a DDJ SB2 controller from Pioneer. It's very light, easy to carry, um, and it does the job. And then um, recently, so I've been doing that a few times and kind of saw all these other DJs and it seems they all have the same controller. It's been very popular. So do you, did you start doing like DJ networking now? Like you're meeting other DJs, Robbie Elbow is getting invited to DJ parties, getting invited to like secret DJ clubs, secret <laughs> DJ slacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be great, honestly. But uh, yeah, they've been meeting more DJs. Uh, but I always um, in the past as well tried to like um, pick clubs where uh, you know, it would it would attract a lot of the DJ musician types, and so uh, always tried to like stay close to that community. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. What advice would you give to someone who wants to get started as a DJ but has little experience? For sure, um, you know, YouTube really helps, but it only helps when, as you know, with like anything uh, programming related or data science related as well, um, in order to get started on that initial kind of phase, you need to know some basic and basics that it is very like, you need to know what, what search terms to use to Google, Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, and for yeah, that, I heard that 99% of, of being a DJ is actually just uh, Googling stuff and copying from Stack Overflow. <laughs> exactly. Uh, How to put the needle on the record. <laughs> it totally is. And so, like, you know, you have this cold start problem, right? And once you fix that and get over that, then uh, then every then you can, like, you know, teach yourself the rest of the way. And cold so, start relative to your audience or to your own personal musical preferences that that was good that was really good um both so in terms of you a cold start problem in that when you're learning to dj initially i mean for me it was like i don't even know what to search for right what i know there are some tools but which one should i buy and how many of those things do i buy and like you don't know anything like where do you even get your music like really simple type questions um, Napster, right? <laughs> Napster still a thing? It is. Rhapsody bought them and rebranded it to Napster. Yeah. So I, um, what I, I searched for like um, DJ teachers uh, in SF, and initially I uh, started uh, to talk to like a DJ here in SF for a couple of sessions to just even understand, you know, what do I buy. Like what software works, and and once you learn the very very basics, then it's all about practice and like uh, putting a set together. Um, the main thing is you know finding songs, which is very time consuming. And then the second you, part is I mean, but you're and you're Canadian. And, do you? Well, you're Canadian. It's an obvious choice for you to use uh, uh, records and tracks from Rush, the band, right? <laughs> That's what I would assume. I, 
I, you know, uh, maybe delete this part later, but I don't listen to Rush. No, that's fine. I don't blame you. Well, only Andrew and I listen to Rush. But we, we listen to it. We listen to enough Rush to make up for you not listening to Rush. Let's put, let's that's put right. It that way. Uh, okay, so you're you're keeping the number of streams up. Uh, so I I will add streams. What's a stream? Um, a stream is uh, the a complete play of a uh, song on a streaming platform. When you're DJing, streaming are you streaming? Other than you, I, I guess I use YouTube. Does that count as a streaming platform? Yeah, it counts. Mm-hmm. Are, are, do you do streaming, or do you actually get? Uh, source files on your laptop when you're yeah so i i get source files uh but now um and this is very recent uh that serato i think and some others have some contracts with um soundcloud and um and who else where you could actually stream your music but you know i actually you know like to own these songs I know. Well, you license them. You don't own them, right? Yeah. That's true. Anyway, but you like to have them. I guess I should read that book about what it means to have a song versus. What's, which book is that? What was the book called? I will need to find it in my uh, overflowing physical book library. Well, you gotta you gotta remember it. We'll put it in the in the notes. What, what's record. the basic premise of the book? Is it like a philosophical treatise on ownership of intellectual Digital goods? Media. Yes. Yeah. Maybe if if you have a minute, I could go look. And you could. No, talk. it's all right. Okay. We have a minute, but you can look after. We can put it in the, in the notes. Okay, we'll do. I have some other book recommendations as well. I could send it. Let's do that. Yes. Oh yeah, like all all books about DJing or books about like random topics. I could do that. I could, yeah, there uh, have some good um, recommendations for DJ books as well. What's the, what's the best book you've read recently? The best book I am reading recently is called Analytics and Decision Support in Healthcare Operations Management. Um, oh, that sounds good. Ooh, yeah. wrong answer. And the right answer <laughs> is uh, Data Science from Scratch, Second Edition. <laughs> yes, of course, always. The second edition, that's right. Yeah. No, but but the, the analytics in healthcare sounds good too. Yeah. Do you feel like do you feel like there's going to be a lot of a big learning curve to get that domain knowledge that is so so valuable for a data scientist? Um I do. I mean, every time you join a new company, the the whole business and domain are usually um new. So when I joined Twitter from Paytm I'm trying to understand the business, the strategy, uh, the types of decision makings, what works for users on Twitter, what doesn't work, what works in various geographies. That takes like a whole year. But this seems like they really have things down there. So I'm sure you had a lot of structure and a lot of really, really talented people explaining, you know, why they why they did everything they did. And it was the decision making process was probably really well thought out there. I mean, you know, I when I moved to Twitter, I moved from like two very small startups. So for me, um, Twitter was super organized and super, you know, well oiled. <laughs> uh, you know, people would all say, you know, documentation is not enough and so on. And I would just be so happy for 
everything that was on the wiki and, you know, all this stuff available, you know, having a team uh, on the infra side kind of like handle all the Hadoop uh, issues and all the solving issues and everything, you know, it it was a blessing. In terms of like understanding the business, of course, you know, you want people who have been uh, at the company longer. So we did have some data scientists who were there for a couple of years. And so they could really uh, transfer that that type of knowledge of, you know, what types of things work and uh, what could go wrong in experimentation and what could go wrong with metrics. <clears throat> so, yeah, but but really... I mean, to really gain that intuition about the business, it takes a year. And for like bigger businesses, I mean, honestly, I've been at Twitter for three years and I still feel I was learning every day, uh, trying to continue to build on that intuition. So, yeah, um, in terms of getting into healthcare, of course, there's going to be a lot of new things to learn, but I, um, there's so many people here at the company, um, that, you know, have been, uh, in this, uh, business for so long that I feel like it's going to be easy to get the knowledge that mm-hmm. I need. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's just a matter of actually putting in the time to build that intuition. Yeah. How did you get started doing data science originally? Okay, so interesting story. I was at Ryerson University. I was studying applied math. Um, Where, I was, where's Ryerson University? Uh, Ryerson University is in downtown Toronto. 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 Where Rush is from? Uh, the province of Ontario uh, in Canada. Uh, on the Toronto is like North Chicago, North Detroit or Chicago, right? Yeah, North Detroit, very close to. What? People love Toronto, by the way. Yeah, it it is a beautiful, wonderful city. Um, it's such a great place, I think, uh, to grow your career. It's very kind to you. You know, for a big city, it is a kind city. Is that the one where they do deep learning or is that Montreal? That's Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I grew up in Montreal. What are they um, doing in Vancouver then? Vancouver is um, uh, real estate speculating, I believe. That's right. <laughs> yes. and, and, and heroin. Uh, okay. Oh, come on. That's um, my experience last time, every time I visited. Oh, so, so anyway, you're, so you're, you're at Ryerson University. Or, yes. Applied uh, math. Applied math. I was working on um, random graph models for modeling social networks. And you know, at the time, I knew this was interesting. I didn't know still, like, I did have a lot of anxiety about, like, what do I do with all of these years of, like, school? And, like, what job do I get? And um, I, you know, I thought I'd become a software engineer. Uh, and, you know, given all of this other information that I've gathered over the years, I can kind of try to apply it creatively to um, whatever software project I'm working on. And that's kind of how how I was thinking about it. I wasn't really familiar with the data science field until I started. So Ryerson had this really great business school. What is it? Oh my God. Let me find the name. 
The Ryerson School of Business. Every business school is named after somebody. Yes. Um, Wait, so let me guess. So the Twitter said we need help with figuring out who to recommend to follow, and they, they saw your work on random graph generation. <laughs> so I'll tell you that story as well. Um, so uh, it was the Ted Rogers School of Business Management. Um, so Ted Rogers. And, and who is Ted Rogers? <laughs> um, do you want me to Google that right now? No, I, I just was wondering if you knew. But if you don't know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely read, read about it at the time, but I don't remember. What I realized, um, there was a lot of investment in the management school. And so um, I started to kind of audit two classes, two different semesters, um, where they had these invited speaker series by um, this um, professor who was actually a very famous lawyer. Um, he was uh, Rob Ford's lawyer at some point as well. Very nice guy. Uh, and he <laughs> he was uh, leading... Rob Ford or the lawyer? The lawyer. Um, he was leading the classes. And so what, you know, he, he always uh, talked about how he really knew everyone in Canada who has built <laughs> businesses. And so oh. he, and he did honestly, because he was able to bring all of those people um, in, in our class to speak for us. How know? many people are there in Canada? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to get like a scale for what it means to know every person in Canada who started a business. Like it's in the mil- it's in the millions total. Is right? it millions? Wow. Come on. It's at least 8 million. I don't know. I've only been to Canada a couple times. I think Canada has 40 million people. 40? It's at least eight. That's what I'm saying. No, Toronto is 7 million. Yes, Canada That's is... That's unbelievable. Uh, How is that possible? Yeah, uh, I think I would have heard of it then. Look, according to <laughs> Google, um, there are 37.59 million people in Canada. Mm. Uh, I remember um, while I was in Toronto, it had reached 7 million people. Okay. Um, so. So his claim is pretty, is pretty big. Yeah. yeah that, and, that's impressive. If there's 7 million people in the city and he knows all the ones that started businesses. Like it's, I mean, unless it's not a very entrepreneurial culture, in which case you still only have to know a handful yeah. of people. But. No, but he, he did. He, he really stayed true to his word. He um, brought in a lot of the, you know, great successful people in the country. Um, and it was a very cool class. So I, I really enjoyed that. Learned a lot about, you know, these like kind of, they shared a lot of life lessons as well. And um, I wish I kind of took more of those to heart. Um, but yeah, uh, really great classes. And so as a result of that, I spent a lot of time, you know, with, you know, in, in that building. And one of the things there was they had all these magazines that they were, I think from the students, um, one of those magazines was a marketing one. Um, and I, I tweeted about this as well. Uh, one of the articles was about Hillary Mason at the time uh, when she was at Bitly. So it was this interview that she had done and she talked about 
you know, data science. And so I started Googling um, and seeing some of her talks. Um, I think I saw a talk where she was uh, talk, uh, showing like how to use MapReduce, uh, which I thought was super interesting. And so at that time I started searching on Google, like what is data science and like what do people use and wh what's it all about? One of the Google results was a thread on Twitter by some of the old data scientists who used at the time were at Twitter. So then it actually led me to create a Twitter account um, because over the years, I kind of avoided creating a Twitter account because I thought, you know, <laughs> and the reason was mostly because I do tend to get very addicted to these apps. And so I, you know, I just at the time made it very, Hopefully, you know, I thought smart decision to, you know, not create yet another account. And so uh, when My I, saw that was that I saw that, I, I saw Twitter and then I was like, you know, it was when it started to really pop off. And I said, boy, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And I made an account and then I never used it for the next three years. Yeah, I think that had happened uh, for a lot of people because it felt like it's Facebook. uh or it's only the status part of Facebook, right? But who knew that that would be so impactful? And so, you know, when I saw all of these really interesting discussions are happening um, on the platform, I thought, okay, you know what? I didn't know that's the kind of like conversations that people are having. And um, let me go create an account. And I did. And very early on, uh, what happened was, of course, I followed Trey Kazi, and um, but at, the, he, but at this point, you already knew you were a data junkie because you'd chosen that name, right? Yeah, yeah. I I, I created uh, that account and and um, my new website um, domain also by the same name because I thought, okay, let me kind of sell my brand as a data scientist and like kind your, of your website it. is out of date it says you still work at twitter uh yeah that is true um i miss trey causey how's he doing he's great i i got to see him like i think two months ago um he was here for a day and was nice enough uh to get coffee yeah he's great Good. as always so what happened was uh, he tweeted about this like um, World Cup analysis uh, from Bloomberg, I think, um, and I and I replied with like a, a GG plot thingy that I had you know created to say you know my ranking is better or whatever, and he retweeted that, and suddenly I you know people started following me from that community like Tim Hopper and others. And so, you know, and that, that's... I don't miss him at all. And the rest <laughs> is really history because, you know, once you have those two kind of, um, you know, liking your content, then mm -hmm. everyone is like, yeah, she's They're legit. like the yin and yang of data science, you know? The hopper causey <laughs> effect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. And meanwhile, um, we're the, like the yin-yang twins of data science. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't either. But she she might because she likes hip hop. Yeah, I totally get what you mean. Um, <laughs> so, so so once you knew you wanted to be a data scientist like that, I mean, you so you got like the the 
you know, the, the Twitter luminaries to retweet your stuff, but how did you get that first data science job? So I know a lot of people always want to know how to get that first oh, data wow. science job. So this, Indeed. Is, this is my favorite story because I was still at Ryerson and it was 9 p.m. at night. Uh, I was in this How do you know lab. this? Probably a clock. You, how do you know what time it was? Clock? Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Probably well, clock. I d- yeah. Well, I was on my laptop. You always know the time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I actually have that email. So, uh, yeah, I kind of know what around what time it was. So at the time, as I said, I was kind of trying to brand my, I was pretty anxious about like, what will I do after, you know, Ryerson and uh, trying to understand what, where I could add value, uh, so to speak. And, um, you know, data science was kind of an answer. And so I, you know, was on LinkedIn, I'm looking for, okay, who's hiring, what's going on, and Google kind of searching, like, who's hiring data scientists and all of those things. And then I, I find this um, link uh, to a startup, apparently, they hadn't at the time even raised a seed round um, called Ruby Cloud. And their website had this text box. It's like, are you interested and why? Right. And it was like, it was like very Alice in Wonderland style. (laughs) Yeah. So this was meant for uh, potential clients, retailers, because they, they were saying that they are going to build the next generation of like retail analytics. And so they wanted retailers to reach out and kind of say, you know, I want a demo or something. But Um, they were very vague in what they asked. Yes. So, so then I, I was like, okay, here's a text box. Therefore I need to, you know, here's a form. Therefore I will fill it. Uh, so, so I, um, said yes. And they said, okay, why are you interested? I wrote because I'm a data scientist. So, oh, nice. so then I, right away, I get an email from the CEO, Carrie Lou. He, uh, says, do you want a job in Toronto? And I said, hell yes. And he said, okay, if you're interested, come up, come by the office um, tomorrow morning uh, with your CV. So what year was this? This was 2012 or 2012, I think. Oh man! Yeah, this sounds like that, and uh, like a Mickey Rooney movie from the. No, no, like uh, when I got a di- when I got my first actual oh, no. data scientist oh. job in in 2011, like. Uh, I think I've told this story before. The CEO didn't know anything about data science. Mm-hmm. And he basically brought a printout of a SQL query to me that was like three pages long. And he's like, hey, uh, do you understand the SQL query? And <laughs> and I said, yes. And he said, okay, good. You're hired. <laughs> okay, so this was 2013. Okay. Yeah, so I go in the next day. I talk to um, the founders. And yeah, everyone was great. They said, uh, why don't you come in for like a technical um, interview, like in a few days. Uh, so I went and then I said, look, I I just want if I start now, I just want a part time thing. I'm still a student. And they said, uh, you know, you can here's a full time offer. You can come in whenever you want. And, you know, that built 
so much loyalty right off the bat. So that's kind of my first uh, data science job. And um, I was, yeah, first data science hire. And they had this really great investor from Hong Kong. Um, and they were able to get, you know, very well-established investor. And they were able to get, like, big clients very early on. So we had clients in London, in Paris, in uh, Hong Kong, just, like, day one. So there was a lot to work with and a lot of work, um, but pretty good. I'm very happy about that opportunity. How long were you there? I was there for a year and six, seven months. Okay. And then your loyalty ran out or? Yes. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Oh, come on. I'm so um, done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, or was it the the the, the draw of um, of uh, working on working on the Twitter on Twitter was so no. So, so I, I actually after that I joined Paytm and okay. they, these um, people. So they had, I think, a couple of months. Uh, prior had started uh, this spinoff, Paytm Labs. Um, the former CEO of Paytm uh, moved to Canada and he still wanted to work on, you know, Paytm, but wanted to live in Canada. And so he created this um, Canadian branch of the company. And the goal was to unify the data sources from um, the very the three parts of the app it was like a p2p payment system a merchant marketplace and a mobile recharge kind of aspect um, and they wanted to unify and these three were like um, were run as three separate divisions at the company and so um, they weren't sharing data uh, and this was problematic when it came to fraud and so they wanted to unify this and build a fraud detection system. And that was their reason to get funding from this parent company. And so they had a lot of money and they wanted the best talent. And so they would go to all of these meetups, uh, the founders, and really, you know, try to bring people on. Whoever knew Spark, whoever knew Scala, they would go after and so one of the people that they kind of identified was me. And I was, of course, super kind of uh, pleased with myself when uh, that happened. And, you know, just seeing the amount of like respect and all of that, I kind of and just the very, you know, it was a very interesting opportunity. Um, so I took it. And then so how long did your loyalty last there? Um, so, okay. I just want, you know, like, um, startups at this stage are so volatile and, Oh no, I um, get it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the only reason at the time I, I decided to move on was there was just so much going on in Toronto. Like, you know, it, it was very, very vibrant. Like there was, so many meetups happening, so many companies um, starting. And, you know, I really um, 
kind of still appreciate that about uh, the city where you were always exposed to the new tools. You know, like I started with Python and then two days later you go to another meetup and they're like, you're still using Python. Like we're all, we've all moved our ETL pipelines to Scala. And then the next- yeah. And so the next meetup, everyone was like, you're still coding in Scala. We're all on go. Um, so, you know, it was like this very dynamic uh, environment. What if, what if that's bad? No, it, and yeah, it probably sounds like didn't. hell. Literally <laughs> hell to me. I know. It, it, it did. <laughs> but but it was it was just like very, I guess, dynamic. You could find sure. your people. <laughs> Like a like a boat in like a small boat in a in a small craft uh, warning day, you know. It's very dynamic. You almost might die. Dynamic in the sense that you're always being told that your tools are out of date. You, it's hard to keep your footing. It's hard to make any progress. Uh, you're always uh, recharting your course. Uh, yeah, that sounds sounds very dynamic. You're still using TensorFlow. What is wrong with you? However, I see the I see. I mean, I see the value. I see how it can be energizing. You you. Used to like ignore that whole uh, Golang community, right, or REST community, but at least it was there. And, if I, and have- I do so far <laughs> successfully. Yes, <laughs> both. I spent three months working on a team that was working in, in Golang, and then I spent most of that three months trying to get off that team. But <laughs> and eventually, I did get off that team. Yeah, I mean, I I, I did hear that it's uh, it has. I, I've never used it, but. Um, yeah, heard heard about some of the challenges. If you, if you like going bowling where they put the inflatable bumpers in the gutters, like then you might. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably not fair, but, but it was funny, so I said it anyway. Yeah, so, so I, I, I know I know people who really like Go with the language, and I'm not one of them. I, I yeah. do not enjoy working in it at all. Yeah, so uh, I mean, um, at the time when I moved from Paytm, it was really just a matter of um, seeing what's out there. And, um, you know, Shopify had was at the time growing um, the office in Toronto. They were originally based in Ottawa. Um, and so that was very exciting. And I had started speaking with them. Um, and then I also it also gave me like this, I, you know, I was kind of considering maybe starting a company. So I, I kind of wanted a little bit more of a freedom. And so. I left and I tweeted like today is my last day. And out of that came a lot of great um, connections and conversations. And one of those was uh, from a Twitter data scientist, Chris Said. Um, he told me about uh, their team and they, he said, we're hiring. So if you're interested, send your CV. And then Twitter moved so quickly in their interview process where like I was speaking to some Toronto-based companies who whose like headquarters were like two blocks away, and in the time between two interviews with that company, I traveled to San Francisco, came back, got the offer, and I was like, <laughs> not even going to do a second interview. Wow. Um, yeah. So they were very quick. Of course, you know, over the years, I was always like following. Twitter and what they were doing in like the big data space. Um, so it definitely seemed like a really great opportunity and I took it. Does anybody still use Summingbird? 
Uh, no, I, I don't. Or algebra. So. Well, well, you know, I shouldn't say this, but um, I have not seen working with the engineering teams that I have worked with. We did try to use it for something, um, but we ended up not uh, using it at the time. But, but the problem was mostly on um, the streaming side with Heron. And I don't know what um, what tools Twitter is using now, but you know my knowledge is really limited to some of the engineering teams I was working mm-hmm. with. Is data science still mostly about counting things? I know people have said that before. <laughs> data science is counting things. Um, I think one important aspect of data science is counting things, but I personally, I mean, now nowadays in like selling data science, I like to even say that data science is quality control. And I think that important aspect of it has been kind of forgotten. So you you kind of like in the past, people would look at data, let's say their financials, mostly to do sanity checks, right? Like, are we on the right track? And then or to hide problems. So so the person who puts a little inspected by number 17 slip in my package of underwear, that person's a data scientist? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you. So, so you know, historically, people, you know, when, when people were building bridges, right, they wanted to quantify as much as they could what was going on in order to ensure quality and ensure safety and all of that. Are we talking things. about like literal bridges or like metaphorical well, bridges? Literal bridges. Okay. Um, and so like somehow something happened and that kind of practice was forgotten, you know? And and then you see where now, and it's not just at any particular company, I see this across the board where um, data science is like this exotic thing of like okay what do we do with these people and like what do they work on and like is this necessary or is like is this holding us back and it's like oh my god like this is literally you know the fact that you we are in a place technologically where we can collect this data where we can aggregate it is great because now you could actually for real do the quality controls um, that you need to do for your models, for your products, understand. Well, I think Twitter could, I mean, Twitter data science could probably do a better job of doing quality control on my tweets. (laughs) (laughs) You could do a better job doing quality control. Well, I'm never going to spend that time doing that. No way. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a great product idea. And there have been, uh, like, are are you sure you want to tweet this? Yeah, yeah, there, there have been like really interesting Hack Week projects on that. Are you sure you want to make the same joke again? <laughs> like, are you sure you want to retweet somebody talking about Stitch Fix and quantum computing again? So that's actually interesting because sometimes I'll like think of it like one of the most disheartening parts of Twitter is that sometimes I'll think up a joke and then and then I'll go look at Twitter. And like, I find that, you know, 10 other people have thought up the same oh, joke. And, yeah. and so so I'm like... I guess I'm not going to tweet it then because other people already thought of it. But like, if I could tell you that, hey, by the way, you know, this joke is not original. Like, yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, sometimes jokes are funny because so many people, yeah, 
make it, right? Like the Stitch Fix thing was really <laughs> at some point. It just kept being funny to me. Like every time I see, every time I see the word physics or quantum mechanics now, I can't stop but laugh. <laughs> Help but laugh. But you could ask my family if that's a character defect or or you know. ask me. I'll tell you it's a character yeah. defect. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I want to hear how how charming and and uh, adorable it is. No, it's it's a tired joke. It's really bad. But the putting stuff in a box joke is still good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, <laughs> it's still funny. That that joke will keep being funny. Proof. There's just there's so many of them. Parties laughed. It's proof. <clears throat> so you'll be putting blood samples in a box. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Be putting clinical notes into a box. So, so um, you know, we're, we're coming up on the end of the hour. Um, and so should probably start wrapping up. But I wanted to ask, you know, a lot of our listeners are, you know, aspiring data scientists or people who want to get into data science. And so what, what advice would you offer for someone who, you know, hasn't found that first data science job yet or is thinking about going into data science or trying to figure out what to do themselves? Yeah, um, I would say the, you would think by now I'd have like a pretty well ironed out answer for this, but I think both in terms of like any sort of tech job, whether it be software engineering or product management or data science, I, you know, getting that first job is really the most helpful. So, um, if it's at a, startup, if it's at a bigger company, it might not be exactly what you want. Um, I would take it because uh, it's just like DJing where um, initially you just need to understand that first item thing of what it really means because you could spend so much time understanding like um, music theory, um, which is super valuable, you know, as you become a high quality like amazing DJ, the more music theory, you know, the, you know, the better you will be in the higher quality of your work. But initially you just need to get your foot in and you need to know, okay, what, what laptop do I buy? What version of Python do I install? And like those types of things and the best place to learn them is on the job. Uh, so yeah, go for it earlier. And that's the advice I've been trying to give people around here as well. Uh, when they asked, I would say, just go and try to get your first job. Once you have some of those, you know, basic kind of, uh, things that, you know, people know that they should, or maybe know or have read or went to school for. Once you have some of those, just feel comfortable to go and try to get your first job. I'm glad you didn't say uh, do a whole bunch of Kaggle competitions. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so since you since you've got us here, do you have any questions for us? Um, this sounds like an interview now. Um, yep. Now that we have, we want to leave a few minutes for you to ask questions about us. We are, we are, we just always do this at the end of the podcast. Yeah. You know. How is the culture in this podcast? How's the culture? What does that mean? Oh, no. Have you ever seen The Muppet Show and you know the two old guys who sit up on the balcony and like heckle everything? That's the culture of this podcast. That's exactly what it is. Well, what do you mean? I mean, how is it or you mean, is it good? uh, No, I was making a joke 
Um, oh. oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you mean are we going to be welcoming and? Oh no, um, she, it, no, she, she's making like an interviewing joke. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. How many days of vacation because, do we get from the podcast? And the answer is all no of them. Because we off. never make any episodes. Yeah, well, somebody at the recent data science happy hour uh, sitting next to somebody who said, "Oh, yeah, I'm a real, real big fan of that podcast." And I said, "Well, that's really nice, thanks." And he, I said, "Yeah, just keep your ear out. We're gonna have a new episode soon." And this this dude just met me, and he said, "Oh, really? Next year?" <laughs> wow. I guess you guess you get it. Um, no, the culture is really good. You know, maternity leave and paternity leave is really good. Um, I, I would say we work hard, but also we play hard. I would say both. We do both of those things. Well, it was so nice of you to have me on the show. It was Thank a pleasure. No, it's great having you here. Do you have anything you want to pitch? Um, do you, you're a DJ. Do you have a SoundCloud? I don't have a sound. Well, you can still follow me uh, on SoundCloud, DJ Pardis. Um, you can also follow me on Medium at DJ Pardis. Do you blog a lot? Um, you do blog I, a lot. I've read your posts about like hiring data science teams and stuff. Yeah. So I recently wrote a couple of blog posts and I have uh, some notes for some future ones. So yeah, it would be good to connect. And then on um, Twitter, and, of course, it's uh, also DJ yes, Parties. Yes, DJ Parties on Twitter, of course. And you'll get us those uh, book uh, titles, right? Yes, I will send that to you. Thank you for the reminder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks awesome. for coming on. Yeah, thanks just having a real pleasure. Yeah. yeah, same here. Thank you. Joel here with your reminder that if you like the podcast, make sure to follow us on Twitter, adversarial underscore L. Visit our website at adversariallearning.com. And make sure to give us a good rating wherever podcasts are sold. Apple Podcast, Stitcher, uh, Pod, Podcast Nation. I, I'm, I'm making these up now. I don't know. Podcaster, Podcast World, World of Podcast, House of Podcast, all those. Anyway, thanks for listening and uh, see you next time. Ba 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 